spent too much time in California. Now I got that Rona. Gotta be a loner. Staring at my phone. Gotta be a loner. Gotta be a loner. All right, man. Well, thank you for being here. I'm here with my friend Seth. And Seth, you, um, you, your background is similar to mine, but but you're more uh, more advanced and have a lot more experience than me, which is why I wanted to talk to you. So you have, um, we have the same degree, right? A master's in public health. Yeah, I have a focus in uh, epidemiology. Right. So, so yeah. Um, and then you, so you worked in epidemiology and you now said you work in oncology research. Is that right? Yeah. Um, it's, I guess it's sort of like molecular epidemiology. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, I'm actually furloughed at the moment. So I don't know what the, uh, what the future of that is, but I, at least that's where I've been for the last few years uh, in the oncology world. Oncology um, genetics. Cool, man. Um, and you are in Philadelphia. That's correct, in the Northwest. Cool. So um, that's that's interesting. I didn't realize you were fur- you were furloughed. Gosh. Get rid of that. Um, so, what was your experience like as far as when the um, when the disease hit, and like how did that? What was the timeline between like, okay, everything's normal, you're working, doing whatever you do, and then was it very sudden that like all of a sudden you're stuck at home? Like what was that experience like? Uh, I think actually at the, be- at the beginning, I think like a lot of people, I was sort of uh, for whatever stupid reason, you know, not that concerned and sort of sort of felt like it was, a- was being, you know, overblown and uh, or at least like the risk, um, you know, was being sort of exaggerated. But I've, I think that's probably from, you know, the, the information that we were, we were getting, which was clearly, you know, completely wrong. <laughs> yeah. um, but I think I felt like by the time, um, by the time my office closed, um, which I'm trying to think exactly when the date was, um, but I, ha- I had been feeling for like, at least a couple weeks, if not a month, that it was a really bad idea to be like taking the train and commuting into, you know, downtown center city. And I was about to raise a major issue and be like, I'm not coming into the office anymore. Um, Cause my company had a really strict, not policy that like nobody could work from home. And so they were like really resistant to close. So I think at first I was like really upset about that, um, especially because there's no reason that you need to be in an office. Uh, and then, so I think for the, the beginning, although it was kind of like isolating since I lived by myself, um, I felt like at that point I just, I felt like things had been going on uh, in a way that was unsafe for like a while. And Does that make sense? Yeah. That's interesting. So is your job one that you can do at home, like in theory? It's completely web-based. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, there's okay. absolutely no reason to be in the office. Okay. And so have they kind of changed the policy on that or? They have. They have. Yeah, everyone, everyone was remote. Um, but for a while, they were, um, they were constantly sort of talking about like reopening the office and we're sort of pulling that, um, you know, we're about to go back in, in a week or two, or they were being really aggressive about trying to reopen, which, which doesn't make any sense. 
um, especially because you weren't you weren't even allowed to have meetings because that would be like you know congregating people so it's really like why you know and almost in, in a pandemic it's crazy how you know a big office building especially being on like the 17th floor I feel like is you know it's such a high risk situation like you don't norm normally think of that but just all of those people and elevators and um, you know air ventilation systems and they were saying things like they put in you know double filters but it's like they don't you know people in office buildings don't know about air filtration in the way that like hospitals and labs and stuff do so it's like you know just, it's like putting on two masks you know it doesn't necessarily yeah. <laughs> make it twice as safe right right that's that's so weird especially because it's like a company that's in the world of public health and stuff. Yeah. Like, why are they so resistant to that? Right. You think safety would be, uh, and health would be, you know, but I, I'm not going to, not, not going to go into it, but it's, it's not that surprising from that. Okay. That, uh, that company, I don't think they're really, um, uh, I don't think they're really uh, as committed to that as, you know, they portray in their image. Gotcha. And do you think that like the resistance was, is like a monitoring issue? Like they want to be able to see their employees because as we know, so many jobs can be done remotely. We're, we're having a meeting right now. We're across the country from one another. It makes no sense. Like what do you think that they just wanted to like have eyes on their people? Yeah. It, it's just very like old fashioned um, and coming from the top. Um, you know, there's an old fashioned CEO and, and, uh, for some reason, everyone just listens to her. Um, and it. it's sort of, it, it's, it's a weird structure. It's actually a nonprofit that I feel like tries to pretend like they're a corporation. Um, which again is like, why, 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 you know? Um, but yeah, the, the project that I worked on actually was, was um, pulling data from uh, about like 20 different hospitals around the world and building a registry. So it was, it was like, you know, there were only, a couple people that I physically worked with in the office anyway, the 95% of the people on the project were, you know, we had to do everything. We always had to do everything over, you know, go to meeting or zoom or WebEx or anything anyway. So. That's so interesting. And so unique because so many people that I've talked to like back in March, their company or whoever they work for was like, yeah, you're working home until 2021, just like immediately. They just put that out there because they, they just wanted to be on the safe side. So this is the first time I'm hearing kind of the opposite uh, take. Yeah. Uh, I, I was really upset about it. And I, I don't know if that, I don't think it has anything to do with me being furloughed that I was sort of like speaking up about it. But, um, but yeah, it, it, it doesn't make any sense. Although I guess it's sort of representative, I feel like of just the mishandling of this whole situation of, of you know, people in America, especially just not understanding, not having like the, the right priorities, you know? Yeah. It's like, well, what about the, what about the jobs or what about the money? And you know, that's all bad, but like, what if we all die? You know? Right. And then there's no money and there's no <laughs> jobs. That's kind of what I always tell people. It's like people that are just like, we need to work. We need to do this. We need to do this. I'm like, yeah, those are important things. But like, what's a thing that you like to do? And they're like, well, I like to, uh, I don't know. I like to eat cheeseburgers. I'm like, okay, if you're dead, you can't eat cheeseburgers. And they're like, Oh, you know, it's just like, you need to 
especially in a time of crisis, you kind of need to reevaluate your priorities, even if it's temporary, yeah. like it's, it's okay. Right. And it's, I think, you know, it would have been, if everyone had followed the rules, you know, or whatever you would say, you know, this would have been more temporary than it is. It's, it's just, you know, this, this, uh, individual individuality and, and, uh, you know, this sort of American independent idea of like, you can't tell me what to do. You know, I'm going to do, I'm going to do what I want, like, or looking for loopholes. You know, I think I've, I've talked about that with a lot of people, but it's like, you know, this isn't the, these, you know, we are, we're, we don't have the government actually legally enforcing things, which we should be grateful for. And mm -hmm. so, and well, I, I'm, I'm, I'm actually kind of mixed on that because I feel like, you know, a strong, uh, uh, what's the word? you know, no, make, making some of this stuff a legal issue and doing some of the things like they were doing in China or where, you know, you test positive. I mean, I, I've thought about that every time I've got tested. It's like, if you test positive, like, I mean, I don't know, you know, I don't want to like sort of propose like a military type state or whatever, but like, I don't know if you should be able to just like walk out of there and be like, doo -doo, you know, and they're like, please quarantine you know, right. or seeing signs in other states, it was like, I, I saw one in New Jersey that said, had a phone number for you to call when it was like a billboard on the highway. If, if you're coming from out of state, like, you know, putting all of the responsibility on the individual to self-report to the health department and then self-quarantine, like, I think we all know that doesn't work. Well, it's interesting that you bring up New Jersey because I just got a job uh, working as remotely as a contact tracer for nice. the state of New Jersey. So, yeah, I mean, there is, I think you're totally right, but there's also a, many of the calls that we do. And I haven't, I just finished my training yesterday, so I haven't even started on the job. But um, from what I'm told, many of the calls are travel calls and where you just yeah. have to basically convince somebody that somebody that's just traveled back into the state that they have to uh to quarantine for two weeks mm -hmm. and it's just like you know it's investigating cases and all that stuff and it there is so much responsibility given to the people that like there's no monitoring there's no there is follow-up but it's just like it's just it's like it, voluntary right it's totally voluntary and it i don't know what the best Okay, so I just talked to my friend who's in Thailand right now, and he was able to travel there for his work, but he had to do a uh, like a government-imposed two-week quarantine when he got there. Mm -hmm. And we were just kind of talking about Thailand, and he says, and he made a pretty good case, that Thailand handled the, uh, the pandemic the best in the world. And it was basically because, one of the main things is because Thai people have seen respiratory illnesses recently mm -hmm. like so they've handled that they know just like they know about masks they know about distancing it's sort of normal for them um mixed with just kind of like a cultural deference to government and things like that and also there's a way more authoritarian government there yeah so like that was a perfect combination for this scenario and right. we have uh we have none of those things right I think except for like TB, right? TB is the one where, you know, if you test positive for TB, it becomes like a legal issue. Oh, really? 
Yeah, you you have to take your medication, and at, at least as far as I when I used to work at, at the health department, um, you have to take your medication, um, and it has to be a monitored thing. So someone has to actually watch you do it. Um, and if you don't, you you get incarcerated. Wow, I didn't until you complete it. Uh, until you um, complete it, and it can take about eight months. Wow. <laughs> And yeah, it's a big deal if you miss one dose for TB, right? I I think so. I mean, the whole part the whole part is like you can't really because you have to, you know, you have. I, I think it's probably done over like a Zoom or or like a FaceTime or something. But it's like someone watches you take that pill once a week or or whatever the treatment is. Yeah, I guess um, that's yeah, true. That's probably it probably is because you you need to um, keep your levels at a certain yeah a certain point or something like that. Right. And I guess that's true for, for certain, um, certain medications and things for, I know people that are like hospitalized or like people that are in, uh, in like mental health, um, facilities. That's also true that oh, right. times they're true. monitored, but definitely not out like in the public for, uh, like, uh, contagious stuff. I never, mm-hmm. I didn't even know that about TV. That's, that's wild. I think that's the one. The yeah. one that still still has that, but um, you know, I don't know if you learned about um, like typhoid Mary in school or that was Not like a bell. It was like a, it was like a, I think it was like in the early 1900s, but I, I'm hesitant to to get into too much detail because <laughs> I don't have my story straight. But uh, it was a, a woman that had typhoid that was quarantined um, by the government, and it was it was a big deal at the time. Uh, yeah very controversial i mean forcibly quarantined you know like um i I don't know if she was on house arrest or put in jail um sure um yeah i mean i i actually pulled some screenshots from stuff on the internet that i wanted to ask your opinion on but and it's very related to this stuff because it's it's so much so much of the pushback is like uh is like personal freedoms, right? That's like the main thing that people value. And, and my, my personal opinion is that personal freedom is, is great. It's important. It's, mm-hmm. it's one of the top couple of things on my list. But like, I think in a time of crisis, it's okay to temporarily manage those priorities, right? Like I think that sometimes that can be number two. And for whatever reason, Americans or many Americans don't, won't accept that. And I don't really understand why, like what is the value of exercising personal freedoms when you yourself or like your friends or strangers even that may contribute to morbidity or, or their deaths. Like that to me doesn't compute. I don't know if mm-hmm. you have like, uh, can rationalize it. Right. No, no, no. And I feel like I, you know, I'm, I'm to, to um, like piggyback on that, it's like individual freedom, I feel like there's a certain point where it's like individual freedom is important, but you know, I don't know if someone else necessarily has a right to like infect me, you know, or endanger me because they don't wanna wear a mask. You know, that's where it's like, it's, it's like, Freedom is important, but if your freedom is coming at the cost of somebody else's health or wellness, like that's, I feel like there should be a, di- there's, that's sort of like a different 
a different uh, concept. Yeah, I agree. It's kind of like- You're not free to like murder people or just take whatever you want. You know what I mean? It, it's a, there's, there's a, like checks and balances on, on what, it's not absolute freedom. And right. I feel like that, that's what Americans are sort of being like, you know, they're, they're expecting to just be, to just be able to do whatever they want. Right. And I also think because it's new, right? Like we've already accepted so many things. Like we've already accepted that it's illegal to not wear a seatbelt or something like that. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. And it's normal. So we don't question it, even though it's kind of the same thing. Um, or, you know, there, maybe there are better examples like smoking. You can't smoke inside anymore. Right. Right. No one, and no one complains about that. Right. Yeah. I never hear people complain about it. Even smokers don't want to smoke inside because they get it. But since this is new, and it, I also think because it's like a, literally across your face, like you are wearing something on your face. It's, um, there's just something about that that makes people unable to change. It, given, like it's a, such a small change. Mm-hmm. It's not that uncomfortable. It's not that inconvenient. Like it, it sucks. I agree. But um, wearing a mask is like, it's not that bad. Like I often forget about it after a while. Like I'll come home and keep it on by accident because I'm like, yeah, who cares. I'm doing a um, a yoga teacher training right now. That's like in in studios, uh, or or like in the studio. And so I had you know wore a mask, like pretty much all weekends. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, doing yoga for six or seven hours a day, and it was you know it it sucks. But after a couple of days, you get used to it, and and it's you know I think that that was all framed as like we we can't do this unless, you know, we all agree to do that. So it's sort of like, I think that, that uh, even those issues of like comfort or, you know, convenience, it's sort of like, it's sort of like the alternatives are, you know, everyone stays home and nothing is open or, you know, we can go do some things, but like, you just have to have to cover your face. Um, Yeah. I, I, I'm still, and, and honestly, like I have a lot of issues with with people that I know, um, especially like in the music world. I feel like because I, I think with like artists and creative people, a lot of them are sort of like not rule followers, you know, to begin with. And I feel like they don't see this situation as necessarily that different. And I don't know where they're getting their information from, but I tend to see a lot of them being more on the conspiracy theory side of things and. Um, but it's like, I, you know, I just like the number of people that I have contact with is like extremely small and it's almost like no friends or musicians that like, you know, just a couple of them that are always like, I don't have to constantly ask them to wear a mask. They just wear one. But yeah. it's crazy. Just, I, I don't even know how to deal with, you know, a lot of the people that I know and I'm close to that, that are like, they'll wear one if they have to, you know, but they've been, they've been doing a lot of things that I, you know, am not comfortable with, like still having shows and, and uh, there's still shows. a lot, there's still a lot of shows going on here. Wow. Uh, in, indoor. That's crazy. And um, just like acting like it's, you know, having parties or, um, you know, groups, groups of people gathering and in ways that are, are not, uh, not following any safety precautions well that sucks to hear but uh, i'm not that surprised i guess um 
this seems like a good time. I would love for just to read this because it's kind of funny, but also kind of terrifying. Um, this yeah. is someone I follow on, on Instagram, someone I know, um, not well, but I have um, spent time with in person. I've cut their, uh, their username out, but uh, curious what you think. I'm going to try to share it. Let's see. I think this is it. Let me see if you can see this. Wait. Yep. What do you see? Uh, I see that the whole the text. It looks like it's like magnified. Is it there will be an end? Is that what you said? Yeah. Okay. There will never be an end to COVID. Oh yeah. Okay. I'll, I'll read it. There will never be an end to COVID. It will never go away. We have to get used to it and get used to living with living with it. Sorry. Flu came along, killed hundreds of thousands. We live with it. It's part of our everyday lives. Cancer kills millions. We don't stop eating foods and living lifestyles that increase the risks of getting it. We can't live in fear forever. They say one in 2.5 people will get cancer. The odds of dying from COVID are in the million to one. I'd rather myself and my children's lives be full of enjoyment and freedom than live a life suppressed and full of fear. Get the sports stadiums back open. Get the leisure centers back up and running. Put concerts and festivals on. If people don't want to risk it, then don't go. Give us the decision on how to live our lives. To quote the Shawshank, it's time to either get busy living or get busy dying. I know which I'd rather do. Copy and paste it, clap, clap, clap. Um, yeah. What do you think about that? <laughs> I mean, I, th I think there's like, a, there's like a misunderstanding of, I think like risk. I, I've, I've seen this kind of thinking before uh, or that these, these, this kind of argument. And I think it's like a miss. It, yeah, it, it, it's just sort of like a misunderstanding of, of what, what actual risks are. Um, and, you know, it's like, I think that, you know, the causes of cancer are not that well understood. So the prevention of it, it's, there's not really a lot of clear, you know, don't, don't smoke, you know, the sun exposure is pretty controversial. I, I think there, there's some risk factors, but it's not necessarily like, you know, for, for better or worse, it's, it's hard to say like how preventable it even is. Um, That's a fair point. I, yeah. I mean, there's almost none of this that I agree with and other <laughs> than cancer kills millions. Sure. Um, but like, I don't think that you can't compare COVID to the flu or cancer. Neither of those comparisons are viable in my opinion. Right. Um, Cause it's not the pandemic influenza that we're, that we're talking about. Like the, the pandemic influenza, you know, like what we've seen, or I guess from like 1918 or, or um, you know, with the uh, H1N1 or whatever, like that could have been, you know, that could have, that would have been like this. Like mm -hmm. it's not, those aren't, pandemics aren't the same as, um, you know, like seasonal, yeah. uh, seasonal respiratory illnesses. Of course. And but, right, cancer yeah. isn't even like a contagious thing that there's no, there's no right. cancer it's, pandemic. It's environmental. Right. Right. It's environmental uh, or genetic or, or, you know, poorly understood what even like we understand how you get COVID-19 we get right. it. And it's nearly a hundred percent preventable given what we know. It's just, like, yeah, there's you know, all those, those Kate, you know, I mean, I, I think it's, it's hard, hard to say, but it seems like, 
you know, there are lots of examples of like people. Well, I mean, there, there have been people that have been working for six months, you know, have been wearing masks and, and, you know, have had no, no one, no one get infected at a lot of restaurants and grocery stores and things. Um, you know, there's the stores of those hairdressers. I don't know where they were in like Missouri. I think mm-hmm. there were like two hairdressers that were both positive and they over oh, yeah. a weekend, they, they, they saw like 150 people or something and like nobody, they wore masks. The clients wore masks. Um, you know, all the protests. I mean, it's hard to say like that nothing really spread from the protests, but like we would have, we would, it would have been pretty obvious, I think, if that was a, if that right. was a cause, you know, but that, again, everyone, everyone was wearing masks, at least here. And we're outside, like there were no outside. indoor protests. Right. And that's a thing that people can't seem to wrap their, their heads around. They're like, well, why didn't, if like, this is so bad, like, why can't I go to Costco, but we can go protest. And I'm like, well, like move Costco outside and you could probably go. It's fine. Like you won't see right. the same uptick, but uh, like people just don't want to see really obvious patterns, which is also mm-hmm. crazy. Um, and also the other thing, yeah, go ahead. No, uh, you go ahead. I, I, yeah. I think also what, what's, what I'm realizing is so confusing too, is that it's like, it's hard to even like, I think I'm, uh, it really, became apparent to me with like all of like the vacationing and the beaches and stuff that it's it's so hard to tell like what what is actually going on because a lot of people are are like not following was it not not like following the rules you know so it's like even the things that seem like you know people are going to the beach and it seems like that's not that bad but then they're going and having indoor parties in the evenings that they're not telling you about, you know? So it's almost like, I feel like some of that stuff may be even lower transmission with the outdoor things, but it's hard to even get a rate of that because people aren't being honest and they're, they're, you know, sort of doing the thing like I see everyone here doing. It's like they wear a mask to go into a store that requires that, but that's the only time they're wearing it. Yeah. And so it's like, you know, even saying that like, even estimating the rate of people that are wearing masks, it's like, it tells you something, but it's like, are they wearing them all the time? Because if they're not, you know, they could just be not wearing it for, you know, a short amount of time and that they could be getting it and spreading it then. And then, you know, you could falsely conclude that like masks aren't working. I feel like that's right. that, it's like so confounded right now. And, and I'm thinking more and more that like, it's not really spreading outside. I mean, I have no basis for this. Um, it's like that the people are not, you know, we don't, we don't actually know what people are doing and they're, they're not, you know, they're, they're uh, sort of following things in, in public, but then going and, um, you know, acting, acting in unsafe ways. And it, it's, it's so easy to misattribute like what the cause is. Absolutely. What are the events? Like there were, I think there were like a group of lifeguards in Long Beach Island. It was like 10 lifeguards got tested positive. I think that was like early on, maybe in like Memorial Day. Um, And then it, then it came, it turned out that like they all went to a party and, you know, so they were, they were all going to parties. So it's like, initially that was like a really terrifying thing. It's like, shit, like all of these lifeguards are getting it. Like this must be, you know, beaches must be really dangerous, but like, 
they're it's it's not from it's not from that it's from you know what they're doing in the right. evening or when they're not working right yeah yeah that that makes total sense like it does seem to follow very clear patterns and uh people don't want to recognize that also don't want to just admit that what they're doing is dangerous what well, before i get rid of this um screenshot what do you think about the just the general idea of like time to get busy living or get busy dying i know which i'd rather do like is that even a valid question to ask in this context i mean i think the, the what it's sort of ignoring is like is is all of the people that you know and this it sort of goes back to like privilege and you know being being someone to be like yeah i want to go to a you know open up the stadiums open up the concerts like i want to go but like the people that are working there or you know that are that don't have the privilege of choosing and maybe don't have other jobs or whatever they're you know it's not it's not taking into consideration all the people that are um you know being put at risk by that you know without their consent yeah and i think that's sort of like really that's one of the things that jumps out to me the most here is that that you know people that that think like this aren't taking into account the risk of you know all all the other people that are working that are you know required to make things run the way they are um yeah i totally agree and i just consistent like what this person posts it's just just drips with privilege every time and it's 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 gross, but I think that it's it's got to be super common. And it yeah it's just, it, yeah. Oh, that actually brings me to this other one. If you don't yeah. mind, can I share another yeah. screenshot with you? Totally. It's kind of fun. Um, I think I have to redo it though. Let's see. So, are you familiar with Quora? Yeah. So I got this question. Someone asked me this question on Quora today. So how long until the world stops with the COVID-19 pandemic alerts, masks, and social distancing? <laughs> it's frustrating. And that, that, again, is just like so much privilege embedded in asking this question, I think. And uh, it's just- like, Ask the person who's, you know, both their parents and their grandparents died from it, you know, like, how 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 frustrating and annoying you know that how how annoying it is like it seems like anyone you know th this kind of thinking it's not and that that could be one of the problems here is that you know people are like dying in hospitals and it's sort of like not in 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 everyone's face you know there's like some random stories that get shared here and there but like i think you know it's sort of like a hidden hidden thing like you go outside I mean I guess not you know on the west coast but on the east coast you go outside and everything looks fine you know feels fine you don't see people sick all over the place and you don't really see it until you know if you work at a hospital or something you know that's been full since January that's you know it, it's in your face but for some reason I think a lot of people like aren't getting that that visual of of how, how serious it is by seeing, you know, all of the, the people that are affected by it and how sick they are. Right. And they, they managed to make, the, make it about them and see how they personally are being affected. And, you know, I, I 
agree that a lot of this stuff is annoying. I think it's going to take a toll on all of us. Like when the day does come that we don't have to wear masks anymore, it's going to feel really weird. Like I'm still going to have this thing, I think for a while that's like, oh, you know, I can't go near people. Like I can't Mm -hmm. hug my friend or whatever. It's going to be weird. And I think we're all going to be affected and it's a shame, but like, it's not what it's about. Like those effects will go away. But, you know, your relatives dying or potentially having chronic effects from this virus, they're not going to go away. So that's what it's about. It's not about your your discomfort with the, the mask and, you know, getting frustrated by pandemic alerts. I mean, it's it's insane that somebody could ask this question like six months into the pandemic. You know, it's like people are learning nothing. Yeah, yeah. And I think also like you, what you brought up with like the long term long-term effects and stuff like we don't know you know we're only focusing on you know the most urgent thing is like people that are dying from it but like and that's you know that that it makes sense that that's that's the main focus but but yeah you know i you know i'm sure um you've heard a lot of a lot of uh you know people that 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 haven't and recovered but like they're you know, it, it affected them for a really long time and they're not recovering fully. And, and like, there's probably, you know, potentially some, um, you know, lung damage and, and uh, there seems to be all of this other, you know, potent, like it, it could be like, there could be a chronic component to it. I mean, it seems like there is, we just don't know like what that is. Yeah. I know somebody who was infected back in March or April and he's still, he's obviously he's cleared the virus but he's still going in for um like he's got some lung issues and he's getting mris and stuff and seems really scary and i the most difficult part is that like there's such a range of effects right like Mm -hmm. some people are totally fine have zero symptoms and then other people if they don't die they have like who knows what happening to them like blood right we can't even worry about that right now until we stop the people from dying then it's going to be like yeah this isn't gonna i feel like this isn't going to go away potentially because of that or at least you know the the it might stop spreading well hopefully it'll stop spreading to some extent eventually but i think it's going to be an issue it's going to be a health issue that we as like a global population are going to be dealing with for a while yeah and so okay one more quick thing I want to ask you about, because I'm curious how you feel. This was the um, the new data from the CDC that came out a couple of weeks ago that kind of like went, uh, it kind of allowed people, and I think this has been a common theme throughout this pandemic, is people will take, you know, the average person who's not trained in science at all takes data and draw takes good data and draws the wrong conclusions. I think I've seen that a lot of times. Um, and you know, maybe, maybe I even do sometimes, but I feel like I have a better grasp on how to, uh, how to read science and how to draw conclusions that are fair based on what the, uh, the evidence is. Right. And this is just, uh, from that CDC report saying that, uh, 6% of the deaths of COVID-19 for 6%, 6% of the deaths of COVID-19, COVID-19 was the only cause. So that sort of implies that 94% of the deaths that were COVID-19 related were um, people that had an underlying illness or 
something mm-hmm. else going on, right? And people kind of took this and ran and said, okay, COVID-19 on its own is not that big of a deal, right? I'm mm-hmm. sure you, you heard about this. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm just curious, like, what, what you think or, like, I know what I would say to those people, but um, given that you have a science background, like, what do you, what would you say to those people? I know that, like, cause of death is a, is a very inaccurate uh, measure. Like, like in, in general, like looking at causes of death doesn't tell you a lot because a lot of times, you know, a lot of times the underlying cause isn't what's reported. It's like, you know, cardiac arrest or, or all of these things that are like, can happen from so many different things. And, and I know that's, that's a big issue with flu. Um, and why people say that flu, it, you know, you can't, we don't know the actual rate because it's very rare that someone will get that written as the cause of death. But what will be written is a complication like cardiac arrest, which your rate, you know, your risk for that goes way up. And I, and I would imagine for COVID, it's the same thing. Um, and so that might be recorded still as a cardiac arrest, you know, even though it's, it's caused by a viral infection. So I think that you know, I think, yeah, I think all of this stuff, it's like focusing too much on the numbers and assuming that they're like exact is probably, it's not taking into account um, the potential, the potential for it not being recorded as, as the cause of death. Um, and I know that's something even on like some of the, the work, the projects that I I worked on it. It's a, it's a tricky thing, even with patients that were seen at a hospital, like a lot of hospitals for research, you know, they, they verify it. You have to, they verify it with the national index because it's, it's hard to tell if a patient's still alive a lot of times or what you'd, you'd think that that would be like, once you die, you know, it all gets recorded in this, you know, theoretical centralized system, but it's not, it's not that straightforward. And it's often like an unverified thing. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know what, what, um, what the, it, it doesn't necessarily like give you that much useful information, I think. Yeah. Like people I with comorbidities are always going to, gonna do worse so that doesn't really tell you anything absolutely and i kind of thought of it from the perspective of hiv it's like nobody dies just from hiv right AIDS doesn't kill you it's always an opportunistic opportunistic infection because just that viral infection creates an environment physiologically that allows for other stuff to come in and kill you that otherwise wouldn't and so people don't talk about the coronavirus that way, but I can't, I imagine that there's probably some truth to like, it just, it's taxing your body. It's having all sorts of effects on your body and your immune system. So that something that you could have lived with for a long time, like diabetes or hypertension or, or obesity or whatever, now it's going to kill you because of the virus. And it's because of the virus, but it's also, it's indirect. Right. Or, or yeah, or, or yeah, just causes of death are the way that causes of death are recorded, I think is not, uh, it's not always accurate. And I, and I, I'd have to look at, um, 
the HIV stuff, but I imagine that's an issue with that as well, where it doesn't get recorded as the cause of death. It's, you know, you can, you can like imply that there are certain like cancers and diseases that people with only with, with AIDS, you know, get, but mm. in that same way, it's like, uh, um, yeah, it, it, that's not the, you, you'd have to, you'd have to actually do a little bit more of a complicated analysis to determine um, you know, all of the, whether it's like maybe contributing to, to the cause of death or something. Um, and I think that would be a lot more shocking of a, yeah, I agree. of a rate. And also, you know, I think like the, you know, maybe the death rate, even though that's the scariest part that we're all focusing on, it does seem to be, you know, not that high overall, but it doesn't seem to be like the point, I think. Mm. In yeah, a lot I of ways, I mean, initially a lot of people were dying and I think that because there was like the lack of, you know, they were overwhelming the healthcare system too. Um, right. But just because there are like le are less people dying, it doesn't necessarily mean it's, it's not, um, you know, I think some of the things that are potentially worse about this, this disease is that it's, it's severe, but it's not the most severe, you know, it's sort of like the perfect storm in that it's like just bad enough to spread and stick around, but not bad enough, you know, to kill everyone off and kill itself off. Right. It's not, it's not an Ebola pandemic. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Ebola, that, that it would sort of burn out. This is, this is like the, the perfect recipe for something to just like stick around and, you know, terrorize us for, yeah and then make us terrorize each other right yeah <laughs> I, and that's why it's so weird you know i feel like all all the conspiracy theories and stuff of, of it being like manufactured and stuff it, it just it doesn't make sense because i think nobody would it was so unpredictable because it it doesn't seem like an ebola or something like that so you it, it would be very hard to imagine that someone would predict that this would play out the way that it did because i think it was like there were so many factors and, and part of it was that it wasn't, that it's not that, not as severe as some other, other pandemic diseases. So it, it, it doesn't kill as many people. It just infects a lot of people and the, you know, has a lot of asymptomatic transmission and stuff. But I mean, maybe there's some, you know, brilliant scientists that would, that would engineer something like that. But usually, you know, the engineered stuff is like, extremely deadly you know or you'd engineer it because it would be it would like wipe out a massive amount of the population or, or it would do some some very specific thing like i feel like part of this is is the disease and part of it's like the way that it's been handled and how much everyone's traveled there's just like all these all these factors that like make our lifestyle globally you know the perfect the perfect recipe for this but it's like you know, part of the reason that nobody saw it coming is because I think it's not, it doesn't have those characteristics that you normally would think if you were going to design a, a virus or, or, you know, biological weapon. I mean, it, do, it, it doesn't make, it, it just doesn't make sense for a lot of reasons, but I think that's right. besides the point. <laughs> you wouldn't see this scenario in a movie necessarily because... Yeah, it would like, be great. Yeah. It wouldn't, it wouldn't be, wouldn't, wouldn't be entertaining at all. It's just like, right. <laughs> this slow, gradual decline 
And, you know, it's like depressing how it's being dealt with, but it's not, you wouldn't, I, I think even if, if it was a movie, you know, we wouldn't expect that it would go down like this. Right. I mean, it will be a movie now. Yeah. Uh, after yeah. this, but uh, yeah. <laughs> nobody would have written this uh, a couple of years ago. And I think with, with, you know, with the proper response, it could have been a fairly short, you know, like SARS and I mean, Besides the facts that I feel like it's, it's um, you know, when I, I used to work in infectious diseases and I remember people that worked in um, like emerging infectious diseases, were, they've been screaming about this, you know, the, the potential for an influenza like pandemic for 20 years, you know, it's been getting like more and more serious. Um, and then the fact that we had th two other coronaviruses you know, SARS and MERS in the last, you know, 10 or 12 years. It's, it's I think in retrospect, people are going to look back and be like, what the hell do you expect? Like, yeah, that, that should clearly point to the fact that like, we're due for a, another coronavirus. And, and maybe even, you know, I don't want to want to say, but like, who's to say in five years, it's not, you know, for some reason, these coronaviruses are, um, just with our lifestyle and, and with, you know, the interaction with animals and eating animals and um, exotic pets and, and all there, just we're like prime for it. Yeah, they're out there. They're out there. And we just sort of, I don't, you know, I think SARS was handled well, but we got kind of lucky. Um, you know, MERS was pretty devastating on South Korea, which a lot of people don't know about. Um, even though it was like a Middle Eastern thing that was spread by camels, which is almost seems like, you know, my inclination would be to like laugh at that. Just that, like how, how, how many people are going to get a disease from camels? You know, how many people interact with camels? But like, you know, that just because the traveling, it spread just to South Korea and, it, and it, it killed a lot of people. Like it was a pretty bad thing. It just luckily wasn't, you know, didn't spread beyond that. Um, but again, I, th I feel like we got lucky with those. It wasn't Luckily. that they were like handled that well. Luckily a disease uh, that you get from a camel, you, like once you get over the hump, you're good. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, didn't this come from a pangolin? Like nobody sees this, sh like it was I like- I think that was SARS. Really? Oh, I thought, I thought this was like bat via- Oh yeah, no, you, yeah, you're, you're right, you're right. Um, but yeah, and but like SARS and MERS were both less contagious than this than COVID-19 right uh I can't I can't actually remember the differences but um I know that they were like caught fairly early yeah um and there was like contact tracing done initially that sort of like prevented the the prime um uh, spreaders from from spreading it you know they like where they like caught them in the airports and you know Right. Um, we're, we're able to sort of nip it in the bud, but um, yeah, I don't, I don't know if it was the diseases themselves. That's, that's a good question. Uh, uh, but I remember like in, in grad school, um, oh, what's that woman's name? There's like a famous public health writer. Um, and I'm pretty sure her book was called like the coming plague or something like that. That sounds familiar. Yeah. It's like Laurie, Laurie something. And I remember she spoke at, at, um, it wasn't like graduation, but you know, that was in 2004, I think, or 2005. And it was like, it was like a, you know, enormous book on just all of the reasons why 
why, um, you know, we were, we were uh, sort of primed for the next, the next pandemic. And um, I don't remember what her, her background was, but it was pretty impressive credentials. And, and it just like, I mean, obviously, you know, just someone writing a book doesn't necessarily like change global policy, but I, I just think there, there were like, there were a lot of signs. There were there a lot were of people lot. talking about it. And it's and, been, it's been, yeah. And like Bill Gates spoke out about it and that only has, you know, made people hate him for it, which is insane. But, um, but yeah, I, and then like bird flu and swan, I mean, it's just been, you know, it, it, it's been that threats like been there over and over, over and over again. And, and it's just, I think from my perspective, one of the most disturbing things is just that that's still, that it still went down the way that, that it did. Like, well, it's mean, not a new thing to have these, these, you know, influence or these, these viral, viral diseases. And no, not at all. So, I mean, yeah, great time for, uh, for Trump to disband the, uh, the pandemic response team, all that. Right. Very on point. Um, but I want to, I want to switch gears a little bit. Um, because one of the reasons I wanted to talk to you was because you post stuff about, um, that I find super interesting stuff about like vitamin D and things like that. And so, and I've read a bunch about vitamin D. I take vitamin D every day. Um, yep. and I, I kind of upped it. I upped the consistency since the pandemic happened because I also have read stuff about how vitamin D, um, can lead to better outcomes, but I'm curious, like you probably know more about it than I do. Um, what, what do you do personally? And like, what do you, think is going like what do you think people should take from um the research uh i mean so so the vitamin d stuff i think has been developing um i know that uh there have previously been some some research on vitamin d and respiratory diseases um and it's really i think what was what was showing up in the research was that people um you know with the highest the people that had the worst complications had the lowest serum vitamin D levels. Um, and so it's, it's, you know, supplementing with vitamin D or having, you know, increasing your vitamin D levels is really the protective thing. I think supplementing with vitamin D is good, but it doesn't guarantee that your, your levels are increasing. And there are some things like, um, I know that, that, and, and I mean, I mostly get my information now from like, a few of these scientists, which I know we, we've, um, I think we both follow that that are sort of like independent, just running on like a Patreon, like Rhonda Patrick and oh yeah, Chris Master John. You know, that both came from from academia and just um, sort of do their own interpretation of, of that. I mean, they have teams of people that you know do their own interpretations. Um, but I think that um, you know they have been they have been really interested in that that vitamin D. Um, and then there was ran there were some randomized controlled trials that actually sort of um, demonstrated that 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 was uh, you know when they when they isolated it it was um, this the serum vitamin D levels did predict the severity of disease um, and there are things like um, you know people with dark skin especially in North America um, tend to tend to have vitamin D deficiencies um, which could also explain you know, besides sociocultural factors, why it seems to be, you know, have worse outcomes um, 
you know, in minority communities. Uh, and, and, and also just like people, I think people in North America, especially on the East Coast, a lot of times, you know, I don't, I don't know how much vitamin D you're even able to get just from, from sunlight and sun exposure. Um, I think that's a tricky, a, tr a tricky thing, but, but, um, but yeah, long, long story short, vitamin D seems to be one of the most obvious protective factors. And, and I think, um, you know, increasing your vitamin D levels is just, just seems to be very protective if, if you do get it. And so, uh, uh, or how much and like what form are you taking? I take, uh, I mean, it, it's, it's, it's sort of, sort of unclear. And I think the sources I take, uh, I actually have it right here. It's this like, like it's a vitamin D and a vitamin K2 combined. Mm. Um, because I know that, I know that, that, um, the absorption of D, uh, requires, um, adequate magnesium levels, mm -hmm. which most people are deficient <laughs> in anyway. Mm -hmm. So then even if you're taking lots of vitamin D and you're deficient, it, I, I mean, nutrition gets like, it's such a, um, what's the word? There's so many things that are dependent on other things. It's hard to just right. fix your problems from taking a, 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 a vitamin, you know, or, or like a single thing. But I, I think, um, you do want to have uh, the vitamin D and the vitamin K2 um, balanced and have them them together because I think I think and I think the K2 levels are required also for the the vitamin D absorption as well. Yeah, I've heard that, and I guess so. In case people are kind of wondering, so like, just because you orally take in like a, a vitamin supplement doesn't mean it's going to make it into your bloodstream, and I think. There's and it doesn't like mean it's going to raise your, your level, you know, your, your serum levels, because that it requires on, um, you know, sort of like proper functioning of your, of all of your, um, pathways and, and, uh, um, yeah. And your, your digestive system and, and a lot of things, um, many factors and, and but also, you know, yeah. The, the, but but there's there's evidence that you know taking vitamin D supplements do raise your vitamin D levels, so I think that's a good way to to do it. And like the I know the vitamin D that's added to milk, for example, is D two, um, which is a lot less absorbable. So even though vitamin D f is fortified in some foods, it's not um, it doesn't seem to really it's not the type that really helps. It's the D three that you want, right? The D three that you want, um, and so. The supplement that I take has is like, it's 25 micrograms, which is a thousand IUs, um, and it's 200 micrograms of K2. But for the for the D, I, I you know I, I know it's generally recommended like a thousand to five thousand, I think. Yeah, I think I take five thousand. I take a Thorn supplement as well, but it's like a it's like a pill. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's you know I think any. I don't want to say any supplementation will help, but I think it, you know, it, it definitely can't hurt. And it seems like, um, it's a useful thing. Um, the other thing I've been taking that I've seen some research for, um, is, uh, N-acetylcysteine, um, which is mm. just an antioxidant that it's a precursor for glutathione. Um, and glutathione levels are also associated with less with people, you know, having better, better outcomes. Um, 
and a lot of respiratory glutathione is is um, responsible for it's sort of called like the master antioxidant but it's responsible for a lot of of the um, your body's natural antioxidant um, defense system and uh, the levels um, and and so that's also uh, something that is very related to respiratory diseases and so like people with asthma um, like myself I have asthma tend to part of that is caused by a lack of uh, glutathione and there's there's been some look at like inhaled glutathione or um, and some of the issues are that it, that taking it in its rare not rare <laughs> taking it in its raw form it's it's a uh, you don't really absorb it doesn't it doesn't really cross um, the barriers into your bloodstream so there's some people that sell like liposomal glutathione which is debatably better but it's it's very expensive Mm. Um, and so an alternative would be to take a precursor, um, because Can you essentially just say what that is again. Okay. Sure. It's, it's, uh, it's written as NAC, uh -huh. oh, okay. um, but it stands for N-acetylcysteine, um, which I think is just an amino acid. Gotcha. I'll put a, I'm going to bring that up right here for people. Okay. Sweet. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I, that, that's a good thing to take, you know, that, that's a good thing to take for general health health anyway. It's sort of like what vitamin C um, or other things are supposed to supposed to contribute to um, the recycling of that glutathione. Interesting. But I think those those are like the real um, you know evidence-based things. Um, I've been taking uh, turkey tail mushroom extract um, cause I think there, there's some interesting research on that, not necessarily with, uh, infectious diseases, but with, um, uh, with cancer, with cancer. Yeah. Yep. It's, it's just an immune booster, right? Exactly. Um, but I think with, with some of the, there, I think there was some concern initially with like the immune boosters, um, you know, potentially causing like a cytokine storm. Although I think that has been, uh, not, I don't know if it's been disproven. I, I, I feel like that's sort of been, been, um, what I've seen is like you are, uh, it's probably a good thing to take immune boost, immune, immune boosters. And then if up until you get infected kind of, right, right. and then you kind of want to stay away from them for fear of the cytokine storm. Mm-hmm. Um, but turkey tail, um, and then I take vitamin C, vitamin C too. Um, I think there's increasing, you know, I think vitamin C got a bad rap for a while. Um, and I know like that's been a big thing that um, Rhonda Patrick has been pushing um, and just put out like a whole, she puts out like these guides on that sort of summarize all the research. And it's just, you know, it's one of those things that seems to help with like so many things. Mm. Um, you know, I think that the thing that people always that gave it the wrong impression was that like people would take it for colds, you know, and it, there's not there wasn't necessarily a lot of evidence that it would like help with the common cold. So then it was like, oh, this is a this is a waste, <laughs> a wasted, wasted vitamin to take. But it's, um, you know, without without that in mind, I think, it, you know, it's very important for immune health um, as well as zinc. Um, you know, I, I tend to, um, I have taken zinc supplements before, 
for sure. Um, which again, you want to balance with copper. Um, and there, there are supplements that, that have, have that combined. Um, but I, I, in, you know, with the recommendations from those two, and I think it's always better to get things from food if, if possible. Um, so I eat a lot of um, smoked oysters, mm. canned oysters. They're a really good source of zinc. Interesting. Yeah, I, um, I'm on the same page with pretty much all this stuff, except I'm not, I haven't been familiar with the NAC, but that's something I'm going to look into. But I take, I take vitamin D every day or D3. I take, um, I take C. I do take zinc and I also take a trace mineral, which has a copper in it. Um, I think the, the copper with the zinc, it's, it's more of like, like I take a, I, I use zinc, um, zinc like lozenges when I have a cold or something that, that work really well, but then you're getting like massive, you know, it's, it's more, if you're taking like massive levels of zinc, then you, then you sort of want to supplement that with copper, but mm. it, it, um, do you know which one of these hurt, uh, gives, makes me nauseous? It's, had to it's guess? The, the zinc, zinc supplement. I, I would guess, uh, taking that on an empty stomach can upset. I've made that mistake a few times, but I take them together. So I'm like, one of these is not working I think out. I think, it, I think it's the zinc one. And I, yeah, I would mess around with it. Or, and that's, that's one of the reasons why I try to get it from food and stuff is because sometimes those supplements just don't, yeah. don't feel great. And I know like Chris Master John has some articles and things on his, uh, on his website about, about that specifically because that's, that's one of the main issues people have with zinc supplements. And I think... I think he sort of says that it's like, you know, you should be able to take vitamins and stuff on an empty stomach. And if, if it upsets your stomach, it indicates like, you know, some gut issues. But I think mm. most people have some gut issues, even, you know, myself included, even though I'm, I, I'm you know, kind of not so about my, my diet and things. Yeah, um, but yeah, it's, it's the zinc. It's definitely, it's definitely zinc and, and like iron supplements do the same the same thing there's there's issues with compliance with iron supplements because it can upset your stomach you could maybe try to like spate like divide it into multiple doses um but if i just take it after i've eaten then i'm oh uh, okay yeah. yeah it's just the empty stomach thing like if i have to do something early and i want to make sure i take my supplements um then i usually do it without thinking and then like 20 minutes later i'm like I feel disgusting. And then I have to eat. Right. That's the only thing that'll help at that point. Yeah. It's pretty weird. Um, okay. So opposite question for you. Is there anything you like avoid now, especially? Um, good question. Uh, I would say not, not really. I mean, I guess just generally I've sort of avoided alcohol. Um, cause I find with myself, it's like, if I drink a lot consistently, I tend to get sick, like, mm-hmm. like a cold or, or something. And so I think just out of like paranoia, you know, I've got, I've gotten a couple colds throughout this time and it's, especially early on, it was like really terrifying experience, right. uh, especially cause I have asthma. So I always get a respiratory, you know, it always irritates my respiratory tract. Uh-huh. Although luckily I, I did have like a telehealth, and, I, and I, that one of them happened, it was like three days after I went to uh, like a week of protests. 
And I was just like, oh, all right. <laughs> uh, but luckily, yeah, the, the doctor um, for the telehealth visit was like, he was like, I'm happy to help you with any asthma refills that you need. He's like, it, that it is not the same. Your asthma symptoms are not the same as like the COVID symptoms. So don't. Mm. Anyone that has a chest cold, you know, if you have a cold or, you, or your asthma flares up, it's, it's not. Those are not the same symptoms. Well, that's good to know, I guess. <laughs> I mean, just being out here with the fires, like I get, I have something in my throat almost all the time right now. And it's just like, it's not, it's very unsettling to just feel anything abnormal going on in there. Yeah. Um, and then I think with allergies and like, uh, um, and e even just during the summertime, even out, even out here, you know, the air quality gets worse. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I don't actually know why, but there's, there's more ozone and stuff. Um, how about caffeine? I know some people have been avoiding caffeine for immune reasons. Interesting. I haven't, uh, I haven't seen a lot of that, but, um, I'll definitely look into it now. <laughs> do you drink uh, coffee? I do. Yeah. Mm, me too. Um, yeah. I, I mean, I try not to drink, you know, not to drink that much, but I definitely drink, um, you know, a, a couple cups a day. Um, I mean, I guess I've been trying to just like, you know, drink more like green tea and, um, you know, th things that I know are just sort of like generally, um, generally good immune support. Mm -hmm. um, sure. But I think it's, you know, I, there, there's also been some interesting evidence with exercise. Um, exercise being, you know, associated with, with better outcomes for people that do get infected. For sure. I've been, I always, you know, I exercise normally, but I think I've been, been trying to be very, making sure that I really do that, that uh, consistently. Is there like Especially a, being a number you're trying to hit like a goal, like 30 minutes a day or anything like that? Uh, not necessarily. Um, but uh, it's it's changing, you know. I mean, I, yeah, I think 30 minutes a day would be great. Um, I'm still trying to figure out how to balance all of that with doing like yoga and not being able to go to a gym. So I'm getting, I'm, I just ordered like an exercise bike um, mm, nice. for home or whatever, you know, to, to try to get some cardio in. Um, yeah. So when you say exercise, do you, you mean like heart rate up exercise as opposed to like yoga? I, I think it was I think it was aerobic exercise, but I'm I'm not positive. I would have to look at those those studies. But yeah, I mean, mostly what I do is yoga and strength training. I think mm. uh, that's just sort of what was the easiest for me to like yeah. compliance wise. But I think you know I'm realizing that I'm lacking the aerobic stuff, so I'm trying to increase that. Um, I was doing a lot of running and walking, but the past week or so I've been stuck inside and it's, it's, I can feel the difference. It sucks. It's hard. Yeah. yeah. It's really hard without gyms. Well, I guess gyms are open, but I, it seems like a, I personally would not go to a gym right now. No, <laughs> gyms aren't open here, but I would not go if they were. Yeah. Yeah. It seems. Well, um, I'm sort of out of questions for you. Is there anything else that you want to mention or talk about or bring up? Um, I don't think so. I mean, I think that, yeah, those are really all the only things that I've been, uh, you know, telling people that I know and, and trying to encourage people to take, 
um, you know, and, and a lot of it is just like basic, basic health and base, basic immune health. Um, you know, I think that's the, um, I know vitamin A is like associated with immune health. Um, this, uh, retinol, is that that one? Well, the, the ret, uh, or is it is it, so it's, it's, yeah. Cause there's, there's vitamin A that, that comes from beta carotene. Um, and that is often like poorly converted by people. Mm -hmm. Um, so I think you can take like, you can either get it from animal like organ meats and stuff or taking like vitamin A, I think it's vitamin A palmitate. Um, I usually do like cod liver oil, which oh, is oh, yeah, yeah. a source of that, which is, it's kind of, it's kind of weird, but, um, yeah, and it's good. And it's a natural source of vitamin D too. Right. And omegas, no. Oh yeah. Yeah. Lots of, right. Omegas. Yeah. 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 But it's, it's, you know, it tastes yeah. a little fishy, <laughs> fishy burps. Yeah. You, can, you can get it in, in like capsules and stuff. But, um, you do like the liquid? I just do like a, a, a teaspoon. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think that's the best. I think, yeah, if you can get things from food, you know, I think that that is the, the supplements are sort of just to ensure, um, as an insurance policy, but, uh, insure, are you drinking a lot of insure and lot, lots of insure <laughs> meal replacements? <laughs> yeah. That stuff is delicious, by the way. I don't know if you've ever tried it. Yeah, it is. It tastes like a milkshake <laughs> <laughs> or like chocolate milk or something. Yeah. Um, Wonderful stuff. Cool. man. yeah, I, I, uh, no, yeah, I, I appreciate this. I don't know if there's really anything else. I mean, I feel like, I know a lot of people taking like elderberry, um, which I, I, I take elderberry when I'm sick too, but I, I don't know about that as a daily thing. I definitely find, um, you know, I definitely like, I'm someone that gets a lot of, of colds in, in the winter time and stuff. And I, I have found that like zinc, those, those zinc, zinc lozenges and elderberry, like sometimes I can knock it out in just like a couple of days. Mm. Uh, it definitely, I think that's definitely contributing, but I don't know about taking elderberry as like a daily supplement. Yeah. I've taken it just a handful of times. You know, you ever get those like three ounce immunity shots or whatever. There's yeah. a couple of different yeah. companies that make those. A lot of times those will have like ginger juice and uh, like turmeric and mm -hmm. elderberry, stuff like that. I've taken a yeah. few of them. I mean, I think all of that, all of that's good. You know, it, it definitely doesn't hurt. Yeah, that's how um, I feel about I think, it, and it's delicious. Yeah, yeah, um, and, and a lot of that stuff, you know, I, I, it's like, there's not really, I think, you know, the, the lack of evidence sometimes needs to be balanced with the fact that, you know, there's not a lot of incentives for someone to do like a randomized control trial with elderberry. Right. No one's, right. no one's going to pay for that, except maybe the company that makes the elderberry, which, um, you know, is, is fine. I think that's, you know, how a lot of research is funded, but at the same time, it's just like, there's not a lot of real definitive, uh, necessarily like randomized trials on things, but, um, yeah. and, and that's why I think, you know, following some, some scientists or, or, I mean, theoretically doctors should be, you know, the ones that are like helping interpret the research and then giving you the, the, the guidance, but you know, nutrition and supplementation is are not the strong suits of of most doctors so not i think we're, we're, we're sort of have to like you know find people that you trust uh and and sort of 
look at their recommendations and, and be critical. Um, but yeah, I try to say that to people like, you know, people are like, well, how come there's no science about this, like food or whatever? It's like, because nobody's going to do that research. It doesn't mean that it's not effective. It doesn't mean that it works or doesn't work. It's just like pharmaceutical companies fund research. And so they right. want their products used exactly. in the research. So like nobody owns elderberry, nobody owns like plants. Right. So it's just not getting done. Unfortunately, it's like, it's one of the, the, the worst things about the, uh, about the industry of like science and, and research. It's just right. Like, it's so biased based on, on yeah. funding, you know, what, and what the agenda, the agendas that are set by the funders and, um, and I, and I think it also though, it's like, you know, the reliance on randomized clinical trials is, is wrong for a lot of things, you know, randomized clinical trials are great for, for pharmaceutical drugs, but maybe, you know, maybe not for, for some other, other types of studies. Cause you can't really like isolate. Yeah. Observational research is, is valuable too. Totally. And, and you sort of just, yeah, have to make inferences and sort of fill in the blanks. Um, but I guess, you know, always, it's, it's always hard to balance that with, with the, you know, marketing and, and um, people trying to sell you things, obviously, and companies trying to you know, take advantage of this situation, especially the immune, potential immune boosting things. Um, right. One of my, uh, one of my pandemic ideas, I feel like everybody has a million of them. Like you're just sitting at home, like, what can I do? Yeah. Was to uh, harvest uh, invasive Japanese knotweed in our yard in Pennsylvania and try to make like a, a trans resveratrol drink of some sort. Are mm. you familiar with that compound? Yeah. Yeah. Cause it's like, it's, I think that's the, uh, I think it's the best source in the world. Really? It's like the roots of Japanese knotweed and it just like grows everywhere. It's invasive from Japan, obviously. And uh, so I was like looking into it for a minute and I just, I mean, I didn't do anything, but. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Have you listened to anything with um, David Sinclair? Yeah, that guy's amazing. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I loved his book and, and uh, yeah, he, the, he take, he's, he's like pretty convincing with the resveratrol. And the NAD, right? He takes them together? Yeah, yeah. Well, he he takes the um, what is it called? Oh called, yeah, R NMN, which NMN, is like right. a, a precursor. Right. Um, that's not really available as a supplement. It's not it, it's right. not really right. as available. The the NR is available, and that's not really. It, it's pretty controversial, and it also degrades easily. And it uh, there was a time when I actually took that. Uh, tried it i didn't notice any difference but um, nad is available as a supplement too i think it's it's the it's like the always the other form it's the nicotinamide riboside is it okay Um, yeah because but 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 yeah he's he takes the nmn that i don't know if he synthesizes it or he definitely like has his source word yeah everyone always asks him about that and he doesn't it's not like commercially available but but the resveratrol is um and it, yeah it's pretty it's pretty convincing especially yeah. for older people yeah older people that will be younger people yeah yeah very soon all right man well this was awesome it was really fun yeah. to talk i appreciate it yeah dude um and i'll yeah it's good to see you good to talk to you i'll let you know when it's coming out 
Yeah, absolutely, man. All right, dude. All right, we'll be in touch. Hey. Yeah, right, sounds good. Bye bye. Spent too much time in California. Now I'm in Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania.